Hello, everybody. I am Kim Scott, the co-host with Wesley of the Just Work podcast and author of the book. I am Wesley Faulkner. I am Kim's co-host and reader of the Just Work book. (laughs) And today we have Minda, who is going to be our guest for the show. Minda, could you give a little intro, a little bio snippet of your little history? Not history. I keep saying little. Sorry, please. Continue. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. I'm honored to be here with you both. My name is Minda Hartz, and I am a workplace consultant. I have three books out in the universe called The Memo, Right Within, and You Are More Than Magic. I work with companies on how to make the workplace better than they found them, and I teach part-time at NYU Wagner. And I love your books, Minda. I am uh, I have been an admirer from afar, and, uh, and I'm really thrilled to have you here, so thank you. Equally, equally a fan, so thank you for all the work that you've done. Yeah. Um, I will pile on as well and just say <laughs> amazing work that you are able to distill not only your feelings, but your advice and your learnings in a way that is just so accessible, um, not just from uh, the language and the people and the demographics you're trying to reach, but just a wider audience. So it's I, I, uh, I'm speaking specifically about Right Within and how anyone who is in the workplace um, should also make sure they pick it up just to get a glimpse of some of your experience and just the experience of women, uh, black women, especially in the workplace. And so I'm sorry, I just had to say that really quickly. And he really means it. He was saying that before you got on as well, Minda. So, uh, Thank so you. It, uh, it, it is a, it is a labor of love, uh, all of your books, but in particular, right within you, you really, you dug deep on that one. So thank you. And we're very excited for your next book. No thank pressure, <laughs> no pressure writing it. <laughs> None. (laughs) All right. So what I'd love to do next is just read a few paragraphs from Just Work. Uh, Wesley and I have been sort of reading about what I describe as the taxonomy uh, of of bad behaviors in the workplace, bias, prejudice, bullying, discrimination, harassment, and physical violations. And we've sort of taken each one in turn for the last few episodes. So this is kind of a summary, uh, a bit of a summary paragraph. Uh, In summary... An I statement invites the person to consider your perspective and is a good response to bias. An it statement establishes a clear boundary beyond which the other person should not go and is a good response to prejudice. With a you statement, you are pushing the other person away, so it's often an effective response to bullying. Do you want to charge into your next meeting and start flinging, flinging around I, it, or you statements? Probably not. In an ideal world, leaders would start the ball rolling, but this world is far from ideal. In the following chapters, I'll describe what each of us can do, no matter what our role is, to disrupt bias, prejudice, and bullying. As this kind of disruption becomes part of the culture, it will get easier to speak up in a way that improves our relationships and our results. I hope that this framework will make it easier to disentangle bias, prejudice, and bullying and to think about how you might choose to respond differently to each. The next four chapters will go into detail about the different things you can do to apply this framework, depending on what role you play and how much power you have in a situation. All right, lay it on me. Well, I, you know, first of all, um, I love the book. I love all your books, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, um, 
I, I just want to say that using the I statements, it's really helped me because it roots things in my fact, right? What is yeah. my experience? And it's not, you know, I often say when people are talking about a situation that they're experiencing, not to make it broad, not to make it general, how do you bring yourself into it? So if, for example, I'm experiencing a manager who seems to be experiencing racialized aggression toward me, it doesn't make, it's not going to solve the problem if I skirt around the issue. But I, if I say, you know what, Jim, I noticed that when I speak to you about certain things, you respond in this way instead of making yeah. this broad stroke. So I love this I, it allows me to have the power, take it back when I feel that I've lost it. Yeah. And sometimes I'm guessing that when you, when you use an I statement, you find out, unfortunately, that it's not bias, that it is actual prejudice or bullying. Um, uh, and that, at least for me, I'd, I'd be curious for both of you, really, what you think. I mean, I think one of the reasons, one of the pressures that I feel to remain silent in the face of what I think is probably bias is that I don't actually want to know <laughs> at some level, if it's, if it's prejudice or, or if the person is just trying to bully me, because then I'm, then I'm more emotionally charged. So how, how have you all found that? I would say that I've, I've really tried to make sure that I have a stronger sense of self um, to the point where um, I don't want to dim my light. I don't want to make sure that I'm smaller. I don't want to give up that uh, ability to trust and have a, a a higher expectation of humanity that, um, you know, it's trying to remove that, that tinge of cynicalness, even though it might be warranted because of the track, the, the, the trauma that I've received in, in life and in work, um, that if it is its own sort of protest to kind of make sure that I, I keep that, it's my own way of trying to fight against the darkness by making sure that I can still have that hope that things will get better or that there's a potential of me being able to make things better by using these statements, whether it's an I, it, or you, um, that I can just put my own little dent in the universe of this big thing that's I feel is bigger than all of us, but at least I can um, keep my own power and and this 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 the statements of the I the it the you gives a little framework for that. I'm not saying it'll work every single time, um, but we at least have the ability to choose to use them if we want to. And so I I want to make sure that at least I can at least uh, uh, I think we all have our own sphere of influence, our own sphere of power, um, and of course depending on the environment that gets wider or or it shrinks. And um, I think these statements are at least in that sphere of influence, that sphere of power that I, I can choose to use um, and not let someone else kind of like use their weight to kind of crush that out of me. I love what you said about wanting not only to dim your own light, but also to retain your optimism about other people. Because I think it's, it is so easy to just sort of, sort of get cynical and that doesn't help us solve the problem. Yeah. I, I mean, I try to, I mean, cynical when, when it feels like all your power is taken away and it's easy to fall into that trap of saying, uh, these people won't let me do this. They're going to fire me anyway, or they're going to write me up, or they're going to be lying about me in some sort of closed door meeting that I have, uh, no visibility in all of that can be true, 
but also it can be true is that I can uh, use the steps. Like I'm going to use Minda's book of like reaching out to friends, reaching out to colleagues, uh, other people in that uh, your work environment uh, or finding even in ERGs or faith communities, some people who can least relate to what I'm going through. So I don't feel so alone. And I think a lot of these environments, they try to isolate you and make you feel like you're the one who's othered, even though um, it's them who are choosing to corrupt the power that they have. Um, and so I, I just really, really try to focus of just making sure that I do everything I can within my power to make sure that they, their effect might, affect my job. It might affect my, my, my prospect, but they can't take some things away from me. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Um, you know, I think that having frameworks like these, having the three statements, it actually are, it reminds me of having tools in our toolkit, right? You don't know exactly what tool you might need for that day, yeah. but you're like, you know yeah. what, as long as I have something to reach for. And I think oftentimes when we're in certain situations, we're like a deer in headlights. We don't know what tool we, we're not sure what to say we're, you know, and I think having these frameworks that you provided and others is a way that we could say, okay, do I need this hammer today? Do I really yeah. have to, do I have to yeah. say I, or do I have to yeah. you? and realizing which one is it going to be instead of feeling powerless? Like I can't say anything, you know, and oftentimes I know in my experience in my former life, and even more recently uh, as a consultant, I've had to use some I statements. I'd had to use some you statements. I had a, a potential client who we were meeting like five times and they still hadn't booked me, but they were getting all of this <laughs> information. And I kept thinking that we were one step closer to, you know, closing something. And eventually I had to say, you know what, I value my time and my skills <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I can no longer book any more of these meetings until we have a firm understanding that we will be moving forward together, right? I don't think they were trying to do it intentionally, but I had to take the power back to say, here's what I'm going to participate in going forward. And essentially, I think all of this is boundaries, right? We're helping establish boundaries of how we want to be engaged. And that's the only part of this workplace scenario that we can control. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So Minda, in your books, you have a bunch of incredible stories. Um, do you do you want to share one and we can talk about whether it was bias, prejudice, bullying or something else? Oh, or maybe all three, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes one thing leads to another, doesn't it? You know, I, I would like to bring up a, a story that I write about in my book, Right Within, and it talks about a time where I cried in my manager's office. And maybe there's some of our people listening that have felt like crying, didn't cry right there or did whatever have you. And I was just so frustrated by the micromanaging, by the throw, trying to throw me under the bus, through the sabotaging, but yet through all of that, still trying to present as though they're an advocate for me, but I, it was never demonstrated, right? And so the story I tell when I finally did break down in his office, um, he just kind of packed up his stuff and walked out. And I was just like, oh my standing there <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the moment. And a few weeks later, I ended up quitting, but um, I felt powerless, right? And I didn't, at the time, I didn't have the language. I didn't know what it was. I kept thinking maybe it was me for a very long time. And so I never wanted to call him a bully. I never wanted to call him racist. I never wanted to call him sexist. But, you know, I, I'm just curious, you know, maybe you, 
can you both can speak to just that mindset that we don't want to call anybody that we don't want to identify as someone as a bully, but every, every everything is pointing to that direction. <laughs> yeah, and I would say micromanagement is often a form of bullying, uh, and and some so, sometimes people aren't even aware that they're doing it. So then maybe you could say it was it was you know some com- some nasty combination of unconscious bias and bullying. And I think that it is, it's it's very often the case that 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 if you have a sort of we'll call it a historically uh, a historically sort of whatever power power dominant manager and a historically not power dominant direct report. They do. They make one of two mistakes. Either they give you no feedback, they tell you nothing because they're afraid, or they start micromanaging you, kind of re- revealing their mistrust um, or, or lack of confidence. And I would say that's very often a form of bullying. And, and given that you started to cry and he walked out instead of saying, oh my gosh, what have I done? I'm sorry. I want to investigate this and do better. Uh, that leads me to to say this probably bullying, not bias going on. I don't know. What do you all think? I just got a curiosity. Is this the one about um, uh, this other team not looped in about uh, a new date change? Um, <laughs> yes, that, that, that is the story, uh, Wesley. So he, he looked at me empathetically, but he didn't do anything, right? <laughs> just kind of <laughs> packed up his things and, and walked out. Um, and so, yes, uh, I, I do think that there is some form of bullying there. Mm. I think, and also about the the micromanaging thing, especially when it comes off right at the beginning, and it, it can be a little bit of infantilization where they yeah. just don't trust you enough because they don't feel that you're capable or have that capability. And when they do that from the get-go, from the very beginning, uh, then they treat you like you're a person who won't grow because they never give you the agency to do that. Uh, for this specific example, I remember it from the book. And it, if I remember also correctly, like you even had proof that you did not drop the ball, but they still wanted to blame you, which was really, um, <laughs> it, 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 it take one for the team, but just also making it really apparent that you're not part of the team. Um, and that you are extens- expendable in the way that either in your reputation, reputation, or even in your future, um, was uh, that to me that feels uh, that leans a lot towards prejudice. Um, yeah. So I might be wrong there, but um, uh, the, at least the, like I think you do have the hat trick of examples here that it could check all the boxes um because it has it's almost like a complex wine you hear all the notes and the it's like um from the racist part of france or whatever um and so i can hear not only does does this person not support you externally but by walking out of the room they're not even supporting you like physically like right in front of you so that lack of like compassion is kind of like on par of like kind of even taking a little bit of your humanity away, um, which is just uh, horrid. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know if I have much to say about that. It's just like, I'm really sorry. And um, in some ways I wish that we all had like a, 
a list, a blacklist of, or a, 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 a do not work with, or do not hire with, or, uh, uh, and I wish I had a, my own purple flag. I would find that. Um, but, but like, the, the, no one should experience that. No one should allow um, people to be exposed to that sort of treatment ever. And I just wanted to make sure that that's clear. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that kind of there's a specific name for that kind of micromanagement, hypervigilance. You know, because. I'm guessing this manager did not micromanage the other white employees who who he managed. Is that is that a correct assumption? You know, it, it may may be. I think he had a micromanagey kind of tendency, but I think yeah. the the underlining point with him was he came into the group not really being uh, what do you call it credentialed enough. He didn't yeah. have enough experience, so he was overcompensating for trying to like. And I was the top performer on the team. So it was his way of trying to like dominate oh, he me was, and he show. He was threatened. <laughs> yes. So who, show who the boss was. So, um, but I will say this, I, I hadn't looked at that situation in the lens in which you both presented bullying. And also, um, Wesley, what did you say? You used the words. Um, Infantilization, uh, treating yes. you like a, someone who's not even capable yeah, exactly. Oh, you not being part of the team, right? He asked yeah. me to take one for the team, but everything is showing that I'm not part of the team because don't you support your team members, right? So yeah. it's these yeah. weird, <laughs> weird dynamics. But um, yes, I think we do need the flag. Um, we need to put a little flag by his LinkedIn profile, like beware of this manager. <laughs> no, it's it's so interesting. I was uh, I've been thinking about whether so Callisto is uh, is a tool that some universities use to uh, report anonymously uh, uh, sexual harassment or sexual assault on campus. But it seems like you could use it. You could use something like it more broadly, where when a number of people have experienced, because you feel so alone, it's so is a way to build solidarity. Uh, a number of people have experienced something from a from a leader, some form of bullying, uh, and then and then you know you put folks together and let them figure out how they're going to get this person the feedback that they can't, they can't keep behaving that way. Um, I mean, you know that that kind of system is is open to all different kinds of abuse, but I think it would be really interesting to try. I wish it's I a had black it. mirror. It's a black yeah. mirror episode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm saying we could create one because having yeah. that as a kind of a, Hey, this person has this history, right? Yeah. So what, yeah. What coaching do they need? <laughs> yeah. And, and it might also be interesting to, to build solidarity across different kinds of people, you know, like there, there, there are certainly people who are equal opportunity bullies. I guess they bully everyone, and there are others who bullies uh, bully people who, for whatever reason, they perceive to be weaker than them. And um, and and you could also get upstanders to say, "Look, I saw that it didn't happen to me, but I saw this happen, and it was a real. I noticed this happen. It was a real problem. I love that. All right, well, we got something to build." Well, you're both writers. Let's make yeah, it happen. Yeah. yeah. Let's make yeah. it happen. <laughs> it's a it's a technology tool though, you know. It's it's gotta be. Yes. Um well, I'm gonna say that go, go, go Kim. I I was gonna say I'll talk to the Callisto folks. What were you gonna say? 
I was going to say, do you remember that blog post that I wrote for, um, I think, the Radical Candor blog about my experience mm-hmm. with the bully? Yes. yes. And this kind of reminded me of that, the power dynamic where it is the bully gets turned up to 11 when you're talking about marginalized communities. Yes. Because they have that sense of who's going to listen to this other person or mm-hmm. are they going to believe you or me? Where I think even if you are dealing with the bully, I think it's it's a it's a, a bully that has uh, on steroids that just yeah. really are amped up because they are um, that that really feed their power hungerness. And especially in your situation, uh, Minda, like could that person have done that with anyone else? Just walk out of the room, regardless of the ask of taking one for the quote unquote team. Could they have just left you there because they? They just like, I don't want to have to deal with this. But if it was, I don't know, even an intern, uh, if it was a person that was part of the majority group, could they have done that? Even though the pyro dynamic is so much more, des- uh, you know, there's a huge delta between those two. I'm not sure. What is your opinion? Do you think that um, you being a black woman in this place made the bully, even uh, if it was someone with a lower standing, but part of the, the the majority group, do you think that they would have been treated the same? You know, I, I try to stay in the light like you, <laughs> Wesley, and not like take my mind there. But I have to, based off of the experience and the history that I had with him, I think had I been a white woman with blonde hair and it, my experience would have been different inside of that office. You know, yeah. I, I do believe that to be true. And being a white woman with blonde hair, I will say, <laughs> I also think that is true. Uh, I mean, it, it is, it, and I have to be, you know, I would be remiss not to, and I'm curious about your all's response, but not to talk about white women's tears here, because I have to be very careful. Sometimes I'll get emotional and then all the attention comes to me. And, and you know, I it, it's... Like I'm a little ambivalent about the term white woman's tears because I because I'm prone to tears and I'm a white woman. And at the same time, I'm grateful that the phrase exists because then I can be more aware of even if I do start to cry, not to allow all the attention to to come to me. Um, uh, And, you know, maybe I'll get (laughs) grow up a little bit and cry less often. Um, So, yeah, I think you're exactly right, Minda. I don't know. What are you? How do you feel you know, about the phrase? So I think that I, I'll be a hundred percent, thousand percent candid. I think that anyone should be able to cry when they need to, right? I think um, white women have hum, are humans; <laughs> they have emotions. <laughs> they should be able to cry, right? The, I think the the problem that I think historically is when tears are weaponized, right? Yes, and tears are harmful. I think that's the 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 rub, right? So. For me, like we could do a good cry together, Kim, and it's all all good. But the moment that someone is weaponizing their tears, yeah. like for example, if my manager had been a white woman with blonde hair, I'm expressing myself in this meeting, and they start crying, and then take the yeah, like, you know, it takes the conversation off me, and now makes it about them. Hey, I'm just trying to be my best. I'm just trying. <laughs> then yes. we're weaponizing tears, right? So it's a different type of situation. So under those circumstances, I think are harmful in bullying and prejudice and all the different things. But I do think that, you know, uh, you crying and having emotion 
is normal and natural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever intentionally weapon. I mean, I can't cry unless I, I mean, I can't stop crying and I can't cry on command either. I'm not that, so I don't think I've ever weaponized my tears, but it has happened that there's a situation and I get upset and now everybody's focused on me. And, and I think being aware that that can happen. So even though I haven't been intentionally weaponizing my tears, I've unintentionally, you know, made myself the center of attention. And and I think it's important to be aware of, of that that can happen too. I just wanted to make sure that though, that the, the point out just, just like what Minda is saying that you should be able to cry when you need to. Yes. Thank you. The, 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 um, the, I guess the shorthand for white women's tears is usually when it's weaponized, but when it's not and the attention kind of shifts, realize that that is not necessarily uh, only an individual uh, like burden. It is a systematic yeah, like cultural thing that is like wrapped around all of this. Yeah. And so yeah. it's because we are all in this cultural soup that we are taught of who is to, who does to be saved and who is the victim and who needs to be rescued um, and uh, who should come to their rescue. I think yeah. that also in terms of the patriarchy plays into the, the who is allowed to be victimized and who is allowed to be the perpetrator in a scenario um, that kind of is, is just predefined because of that kind of roles yeah. that we're, we're taught is need to be played out. So it's, it is one, like, I hear that you're taking on that visibility of what, like the reaction and how people around you can react, which is great and noble, but for those, I mean, depending on their level of of you know attention and how they're compromised, they may not know that, but they also should realize that it's not all on them, but it is part of the society and the kind of the the, the structure and how people react because they may not be aware of that like programming yeah. that we're taking in. Yeah, well, and and it cuts, but I mean, it's not only noble; it's also enlightened self interest because I never want to be cast in the role of damsel in distress, you know. <laughs> uh, and so that you know, uh, it's something I, I try to avoid, not not only for others, but also for my for myself. Um, okay, make so, make a note for the Black Mirror episode that. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Kim is being selfish uh, uh, again. <laughs> um, so I think I would love to hear Minda a little bit if you're if you can talk about it about the new book. Uh, and and let folks know also what no, not only what to expect but how to pre-order because pre-orders are really important for new books. Well, I you you know that to be true. <laughs> yes. Uh, I thank you for asking. I actually just started writing the book, so there is no pre-order link yet. Um, but I'm excited to share that this next book, my fourth book, is going to be um, what I call my crossover book. So my first three books have been about women of color, girls of color in the workplace. And so um, I want to write a pure business book um, in terms of how we help everyone uh, get better in the workplace um, by restoring trust. And so that is the book that I'm working on right now. And I can't wait to to share uh, early copy with both of you when I get to that point in the writing journey. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Uh, yes, because trust is something that we sorely need restored in the workplace and in general, in in the in the country, and yes. in the world. <laughs> in the world. 
Can I ask a question about that book? Uh, the audience, I, I know a lot of, or the bulk of the 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 um, right within book is about those who've experienced work trauma. Do you expect this upcoming book to target the people who are participating in those work structures and and how to navigate that, or will it be mostly focused on the leadership tiers and setting up the environment, or or is it going to be both? Is it going to be covering all the bases. My, my goal is to write for both sides of the table. If you are an employee who has not, who doesn't trust anybody you work with, how do you, how do you restore that? What do you need to say? What do you need to do? And if you are a leader who has not been good at being trustworthy or has inherited a situation that is, you know, very broken, how do you leverage and rebuild? Because I don't think that we can have an equitable work environment without trust. Totally agree. I'm so excited to read it. And I think it's also for like maybe a leader who's just building something from scratch. And and it's not like any trauma has happened yet, but but that you're much more likely to be successful if you can build trust quick. In fact, that's how I begin Radical Candor with with a question from Ryan Qualtrics, who is the CEO of I mean, sorry, Ryan Smith, who was the CEO of Qualtrics. And he said he asked me a really good question. He said, how can I build trust on this new team faster? And I thought that was like a great way to begin a coaching relationship. A hundred percent trust. We all should be trying to restore it because <clears throat> whether you're a white male or a trans woman, everybody's feeling like they can't trust what anybody's done or said. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and you can't do your best work under those constraints. And so <clears throat> how do we rebuild relationships? And at the end of the day, you both use the words, but humanity. And um, I hope to help be part of bringing humanity back to the workplace. And I know you're not taking pre-orders, but I just sent you a Venmo. Uh, so hopefully that it will secure my spot. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I have, I will write a lovely dedication to you uh, for you when I, when I get that. So thank you so much. Thank you for asking too, Kim. All right. Well, thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, loved our conversation as always. Uh, such a pleasure, Wesley. You wanna you wanna bring us home? Yes. And if you are listening to this episode and you would love to hear more about how you can uh, promote a just work environment in your, and we would love to hear your story uh, about how you did that. And if you experienced bias, prejudice, or bullying, we would like to hear that as well. So if you could just send us an email at hello at justworktogether.com and we will love to feature you. Uh, same if you have any feedback about us or if you also want to send us Venmos to secure your not that existing pre-order yet uh, for Minda's book. Uh, we would love to have that as well. Thank you and uh, see you next time. Take care, everyone. <laughs>